Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 70. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Dan Cahill, who is also known as DC Wolves. This conversation with Dan was a lot of fun. Um, Hope you guys enjoy it as well. We talked about all sorts of things, um, from being a solo artist and having to do the entire band thing on his own as far as songwriting, song building and crafting, um, all the the business stuff of a band like social media and such. Um, we also talked about the evolution of his musical sound, uh, a little bit about some of his inspirations and the background on where his music roots really lie. Um, we also talked about the new EP called Nighthawk. Uh, it's a four-track EP that you guys definitely need to check out. It is really just kind of a showcase, um, showing a couple different styles of music and songwriting that he can do and kind of prepping for the next step in his progression. Um, really appreciate Dan taking the time to have the conversation with me. Uh, looking forward to sharing it with you guys. And yeah, let's dive into my conversation with Dan Cahill, also known as DC Wolves. Awesome. To start off with, I, I do start off with the same boring ass question as everybody, sure. and that's kind of your name, the background on, on the project and, um, just kind of what it means to you. Okay. Uh, so I'm Dan Cahill and uh, I am the sole musician uh, in, uh, DC Wolves. DC Wolves is my solo project. So I, uh, write and perform and sing everything that you hear. Um, and so it started probably 2016, I want to say was when, I first conceptualized uh, it as a solo project. Um, I think I had some, some of those songs that have actually been kicking around in various demo forms for years before that, but I just never found a place for them. So uh, when I finally decided to, you know what, I, I, I want to try this, Um, you know, at the time I was kind of dealing with a lot of uh scheduling issues and stuff with the band that i was in at the time and you know as it happens right um people people move along and you know have different uh priorities and stuff and you know no no fault of their own and no blame placed or anything but uh i i wasn't ready to slow down or to stop or anything so that was kind of the beginning of that um so I took some of those demos and I decided, okay, well, what can I do with these? And since I can, I kind of have, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, uh, musical background. Um, (laughs) I figured, well, why not, uh, fill in the blanks? Like I was already writing some songs and doing some singing for the other band. Um, so I just kind of took that and started filling in some blanks. Um, and I think, uh, I really wanted to start kind of, taking a lot of the different genres that I'm into because you know I'll listen to anything from like Peter Gabriel to Meshuggah right and and so 
every, right. every, and everything in between. And, and I, I, I like all of that stuff. So, you know, what, how can I use those influences to make something that maybe doesn't have as many boundaries as other projects I've been in had. So I figured if I made a solo project, I don't answer to anyone. So if I want to write a song that's heavier than everything else, then I can do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of where I've, I've go, gone with music as well as, you know, been doing this, like I said, for 15 years, give or take. And um, so like, I don't like the, the genre labels anymore anyway, because nobody really fits in one box anymore. No. So I think it's awesome that, that you're kind of doing that same thing where it's, yeah, cool. I'm kind of an alternative rock project because there's no better word for it. But realistically, there's such a variance in the music that you're putting out. Absolutely. And, and, and that's really what I want to do. I think, I think alternative rock is, is a good place to put the bass just because I think that fits a lot more uh, listeners maybe than if I was right. to label myself as something else that is a little more obscure. Um, right. But, you know, alternative rock on its own is a very just kind of catch all term anyway. So, so it works perfectly well. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your history within music. Um, I heard a story that was pretty interesting to me about your first band, like back in, in high school, uh, you got into playing music kind of as a, like, didn't really know what you were doing, right? Like you became a bass player without knowing how to play bass. Right. So there's a little bit of a precursor to that story. So I, I joined my first band, uh, I was probably 16 at the time, as a vocalist, actually. And uh, pretty quickly figured out, you know, they figured out before I did that I was out of my depth and wasn't really a good fit and so on. So I was promptly fired from that. Um, but that didn't really stop me from really wanting to play. I mean, all of my friends at that time were, I kind of fell into that crowd of the, uh, uh, you know, people are artists and musicians and that kind of thing. Um, so when right. a group of my friends decided that, Hey, we're going to start a metal band. Cause we were all really into kill switch engage at the time. Um, they were like, Hey, we got everybody, but, um, a bass player do you play bass? I was like, sure, sure. I play bass. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and you know, I'll be, I'll be there at the next practice or whatever. And then, you know, right. I'm, I'm going home to my mom and going, mom, uh, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. So she, uh, you know, my parents were always very supportive of me in this whole endeavor. And that's, you know, kind of where it started, right. As they took me to, I don't know if it was guitar center or, or whatever was around at the time but uh right. took me out I bought a bass I bought a amp and they were both crap and you know but it, it got me through right and I showed up um and basically watched what other other people were doing and and kind of followed along and so you know my early playing was just mimicking everybody else um but as I got better I started doing my own thing so so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where I awesome. that's kind of how I did it yeah, and I think it, it speaks a lot to you uh, or about you on knowing at such a young age, like music is something I want to pursue, even if like you didn't know bass guitar, you know, so even though I don't know it, I'm going to figure it out so that I can make this be something that I can be a part right. of. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it was a hundred percent knowing what I was doing, or if I mean, I'm sure there was some uh, you know desire to fit in as well. So I wanted right. to fit in with my friends and do what they were doing, and they were having a great time. I wanted to have that time too. So um, you know, whatever the case, it led me here. So yeah, you know, I I, I appreciate it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about as you've progressed, like you said, you started out in, in kind of a metal, metal core band. Um, as you've progressed, how natural has the evolution of your sound been, or is, has it been more of an intentional, I think this is the way I want to go? Um, so my, the first few bands I played in were, were all around in that kind of genre. So metal core, we kind of went more into we went more less less singing, more screaming eventually. And then that band eventually kind of blew up a little bit when you know I went off to college and people kind of went in different directions and that kind of thing, as yeah. most high school bands I think do. Um, so the next time I really got into playing in a band was a little ways into college. Uh I had a, a friend that I knew kind of peripherally uh through other bands that he was in uh contact me because he wanted to kind of kick his project off the ground, which was uh, more of a shoegaze band, actually. Uh, and so he wanted to play, or he wanted uh, a bass player uh, at the time. And uh, I was like, sure. So uh, that actually, that, that was a band called The Next Extension. And uh, that one I was actually in for quite a long time, almost eight years. Um, and so that was really, I think, the band where I kind of learned how to songwrite from someone. So, yeah, uh, Chris, the guy that uh, uh, started the band and kind of was the leader of the project, the guitar player, he was the one that really had the conceptual conceptualized knowledge of like where he wanted to go with things and what kind of songs he wanted to write. And uh, so I was riffing off him, you know, playing playing my my bass lines. But it was also a um, a band where because it was a shoegaze band, it was really the rhythm and drums that held it down, whereas his guitar was doing right. all kinds of little noodly things with delays and stuff. So the um, rhythm section, you know, the rhythm guitar was both, I was, I was both, right. I was playing bass and playing rhythm guitar on a bass, essentially, you know, I yeah. used a lot of bass distortion. And so it was a total 180 from what I was doing before, which was like, I didn't care if I even hit the right notes, you know, I just throw my guitar a little bit right. and, <laughs> and, and feel like I looked cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which, so, so which is really the basis goal, right? Right, right. <laughs> and um, so, I think in those two uh, completely different um, influences from you know different people that you know they came with them uh, different bands that were influencing them. So you know, I went from Kill Switch, Engage, Dillinger, Escape Plan, uh, Converge over to uh, like Dredge and Deftones and um, some other like obscure bands like Elliot. I don't know if you knew them. They were like a mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s yeah. band, but uh, um, kind of getting into this very airy and um, slow, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the songs were slow or longer, for instance, yeah. you know, you get into like an eight minute track, right? Um, tool was somewhere nice. in there, of course. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I think, Who doesn't really, love tool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that really fueled a lot of 
my desire to kind of be able to do it all because I liked it all. Right. It was all a lot of fun. You know, it may, it may be a different, you know, part of my brain that I'm using when I'm playing these things, but uh, you know, it's all, it's all in the pursuit of, you know, artistic goals and, you know, kind of learning how to play to a song. I think that was probably the most important lesson I had for any of these bands is, you know, listening to the song and saying, what's the right thing to do here instead of what can I do to my abilities? What does the song need? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of, especially younger artists maybe don't fully understand is the true song craft that, that comes into stuff like that. Like just because you can't do it yet, doesn't mean that's not what that song deserves to really set it out. Right. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Some so, of it is patience. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, um, you know, with the songwriting, it, it's some of it is patience, you know, like you said, learning, you know, what a song needs and kind of developing yourself into it or uh, just having, you know, letting the ego go and realize that you don't need to play all over the song for it to sound good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, within songwriting and, and specifically with your style, um, Kind of how does that go for you? Is it more lyrics first and then construct a song around it or, you know, start with drums or whatever and build off of it? Um, I admit that lyrics are always last. That is probably the place that I feel least comfortable. So generally, um, uh, I usually start with either guitar or bass. Um, those are probably the two instruments I'm most comfortable with, or I, maybe, maybe I should say that, that I've been, uh, playing the longest, um, because my, my guitar, basically I learned to play guitar by learning the parts of the other guitarists and the other bands that I was in previously. So, you know, it was a great learning tool. Um, so I usually start with those instruments. Um, but a lot of the times my ideas initially come from, you know, some obsession with another band or several bands that I'm listening to where I'm like, man, I really love how that song had this particular kind of drive. I want to try to write something similar and uh, kind of going from there. Um, so I'll start with that. And then, you know, drums is relatively new. I would say that's, that's my newest instrument now. Um, so even though I've, yeah you know, made noise before. I didn't actually start taking lessons seriously until this past year, actually. Um, wow. So yeah. in order to make that happen before, I was doing a lot of the writing on a computer. Um, so I had my ideas in mind, but uh, translating them uh, through a computer, hit and miss. You know, I, I for, for all of my recordings so far, I've taken what demos I've made and pulled in like a professional, basically, to talk through my ideas and say, here's, here's my outline. This is kind of what I want it to sound like. And then have somebody really fill it in with, you know, what good fills and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, so drums, guitar, uh, or sorry, sorry, bass, guitar, and then drums. And then I'll start to kind of formulate ideas for melodies. Now, usually when I'm making my demos, um, 
I'm writing the melody before I'm writing the words. So most of my early demos are just noises. <laughs> so I have, uh, you know, like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. um, over parts. So I figure yeah. out, you know, where I want a chorus to go, for instance, uh, before I've even written a word about what I want to say. Um, so it does make a challenge when I get to lyrics because I have to fit a cadence that I've already written. Um, so I have to then choose words that kind of fit into there or choose vowels that work for say a sustained right. note. Um, so I almost work backwards in that sense when it comes to the vocals. Uh, yeah. Um, I, that's probably the place that I procrastinate the most. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, coming up as you have through the music, industry or the music scene you know having someone else there i don't want to speak for you and say that maybe you got complacent but to some degree maybe there was a complacency around lyrics until it was time for you to start doing them right yeah and and you know i've never been i wouldn't i, I don't want to say that i'm a strong writer it definitely takes me a long time to get there whereas i have other friends who are like you know they're borderline poets right uh, when right. they're writing uh, vocal melody or vocal lyrics and that kind of thing. Um, so it could be too that I'm maybe more harsh on myself, or at least, you know, I want to say something profound, right? That's not right. always what it needs, but <laughs> yeah. you always kind of want to do that. You want to do so say something that no one's ever said before in a song, right? Um, yeah. And not as a negative thing, but that's kind of the musician or the artist ego, right? Like, mm -hmm. I have to do something that sets me apart. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do the best I can. Um, I have a couple of friends that I kind of lean on a bit uh, when it comes to lyrics, where I'll, I'll write out a whole song and have a whole concept and stuff and kind of deliver it and say, um, how many cliches do you see in this? <laughs> point those out and then I'm going to rewrite those lines. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, coming through the, the music scene as you have, like having those people that can also support you when you go to them and go, Hey, look at this lyric sheet. Is it, is it where it needs to be? Do I need to tweak? You know, yeah. um, I think that's where a lot of, I say kids, I'm only 36, but you know, kids, uh, don't think about the network or don't support their, their own, you know, team or whatever. Um, like for me, the whole reason I made you make this scene is, is all about community. So like, if you're in a high school band, you should be friends with everybody else that's in a high school band because they're the ones that are going to be able to help and support you. And if one of you takes off, they can bring the other along and vice versa. Like, there's so much help that can be done in networking that kids don't think about. Yeah, and I, I would say I'm totally guilty of that. We all were of this kind of perceived um, competition of our early bands and stuff. So mm -hmm. all of our other friends who were playing in bands that we were playing in shows with, everybody standing there like with their arms crossed and saying, "Oh, I could, I'm better than that," yeah. you know, and nobody is you know and and what's what's the point of the negativity like like you said it doesn't help anyone um you know you really want to be you know scratch my back i'll scratch yours kind of thing and that's how you know uh, a real scene is developed right is mutual support yeah 
absolutely. And that's, you know, I think, again, it's lost on the younger generation or kids or whatever term we want to use um, because with everything being so digital now, I don't think they understand the gravity of, well, yeah, you're on Instagram, Spotify, whatever, SoundCloud, but the local scene is what's going to build you up regardless of how good you do online. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I've been blessed enough that, um, you know, as I've progressed through music and stuff, I've kind of inserted myself into uh, the Western Mass um, music scene, which has always been relatively popular for like for a lot of underground bands and there's actually quite a few uh, metal bands that have come from the area and stuff and so um it's been a natural fit for you know playing the shows and seeing the same people every week and and you know going to see whatever band is playing and realize you know all those people that are up there on stage you've met them before and you've played shows with them before um yeah it's 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 a really special thing and and um, I think, I think these little microcosms, you know, um, really deserve more attention. Um, I think, I think the hardest thing right now is for everybody, not, not just, not just me or, or even the younger crowd, but it's how to, how to fit those two blocks together. How yeah. do you take the internet age, right? And everyone can release a song every day for the rest of their lives and you know it's it's hard to discover that but then taking the music that you're putting out there on a regular basis and then putting it in front of faces and ears um yeah. most importantly <laughs> ears <Right>. um <laughs> and 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 you know get there you're finding the right crowd using the internet and using the live thing to push it because you know if you're only ever in your small area nearby that's that's where you are right right Uh, which is fine if that's what you want um but you can use both of those tools to really propel things and i think i think that's a that's a struggle for everybody right you know these artists who have all the tools now because 15 years ago 20 years ago we didn't have any tools right right recording at a studio was was way out of anyone's budget Mm -hmm. you know $500 a day for a 16 year old kid, forget it. (laughs) Good luck. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that's lost on the younger uh, generation as well. Like you were saying, being able to be in front of people as well as doing the digital thing. I think there's so much focus on the digital side now that, which obviously COVID messed up local shows anyway, but right. You know, I remember seeing the wonder years in a church basement, like seven and a half foot tall ceiling that everybody could just reach up and touch. And like, that was one of the coolest shows ever. Cause you're right there. Everybody's on the same level. You know, it's that, that old VFW hall type of feeling mm-hmm. and everybody's engaged. Whereas online, like you said, you may hit a lot of people, but are you hitting the right people? Are they, engaging are they sharing if you build that local scene as well that's where that extra lift comes in and gets you you know like you said if you want to stay in the local area sure but they're the ones that are going to build you up to where maybe a multi-state tour can happen maybe eventually the national tour can happen yep yep it's big it's interesting you brought the uh you brought up kind of the the way it used to be and I, i i was just uh 
I was listening to your initial episode there with kind mm-hmm. of your introduction to, um, you know, what you're doing and what your intention is. Uh, yeah. You make the scene and uh, you mentioned uh, My Chemical Romance and um, which, I, which I'm guessing is a favorite of yours. But uh, yeah. I just remember going to Metal and Hardcore Festival. I don't know how many years ago, but they were the opening acts playing on like a plywood six inch stage right. upstairs in, in the Palladium in Worcester. And it was, you know, it's, it's one of the dirtiest venues, uh, great venue, but it's also just, and it's just amazing how they went from there to like their meteoric auric rise, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. It, it's insane. And, you know, kind of the same thing. Wonder Years hasn't hit the same level, but you know, little pop punk band out of Philly, I saw them in a church basement. Then two years later, they're main staging at Warp Tour. Like just the amount of growth that, that you can get from playing these small shows and intimate's the best word for it. It doesn't have to be an acoustic show or whatever, but intimate in the sense of you don't have to go out to the 1500 cap room. If you can book 150, 200 cap room, go out and book it. Those people are going to be the ones that want to see you anyway. Right. So right. awesome. Yeah. Let's dive into your, uh, your newest EP, man. Um, Nighthawk just came out a few days ago. Um, talk a little bit about what you've seen reception wise. Um, and then we'll dive into a little bit of, of the story of the album. Okay. Uh, it's been a positive reception so far, which is really exciting for me because um, I, Kind of, I, I kind of took a different approach to this uh, than I did with my my first album, uh, You've Been Careless. So with, with Nighthawk, I, I really wanted to kind of explore completely different styles with uh, each track as much as I could um, and give myself some time constraints. Well, <laughs> the time constraints were kind of forced around it, but uh, I made that work. Um, I don't know if I want to launch into the whole thing, but I might as well because I'm kind yeah. of there. But <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Nighthawk was uh, I can I, I kind of came up with the idea of this EP because a uh, opportunity to do a crowdfunding uh, recording uh, project came through. So I jumped at the chance and um, we kind of, you know, after we went through the pro- whole process, the Indiegogo thing and uh, yeah. went through all that, we kind of came up with, okay, this is the size project that will work. And, um, you know, four songs was going to be the, the right way to do it. And, and so I already had a whole lot of demos for a follow-up that I'm working on now, um, but I really didn't want to break it up. You know, I felt like if I broke up something that I had already been working in kind of a, a, with a story arc sort of in mind, taking four songs out of that kind of ruins the story, right? Right. So instead, I thought, well, I've got about a month before this thing kicks off and I need to be in the studio recording it. Can I challenge myself to do this? And so um, I was like, all right, well, this would be a great opportunity for me to kind of put some of um, basically put myself on display, right? Uh, so I yeah. pick, I wanted to pick um, four different kind of styles to really show that DC Wolves as a project is going to kind of keep you guessing, right? So 
you know, the first song is kind of more of like a, like a sexy kind of lurker, I guess. Um, and then I went into more of an acoustic track with some ethereal guitar playing. And um, I did like a political song. The third track, No Alarm, is more of a kind of a kind of a dig at um, basically the indifference of the past few years uh, yeah. when it comes to like voting and, and just taking action and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, one by one is is really a uh, I kind of went back to some of my um shoegaze shoegaze roots so yeah. kind of playing with some guitar work um i think i had just watched the movie the gray with uh, liam neeson <laughs> and so it felt like uh it felt very uh very winter um right. so i kind of went with that um so i want i kind of wrote that song to when you hear it you kind of think of a place um, as opposed to you hear a song and you, you want to bob your head. This is more like, it's more like a visual song. Right. Um, so, so put that all together and, um, uh, we, we finished the recording project probably right about the end of 2019. And then of course COVID came, um, which kind of threw a wrench in the works. So, um, it's been a, it's been a little interesting, uh, you know, it obviously took some time to get through the rest of the project because, um, you know, we had to tie off some loose ends like mixing and mastering and all of that. And that's tough to do when you can't get into the studio. <laughs> um, so so it's funny uh, being, you know, at the time when you're writing something like that, that's all you think about. Right. Because you're you're playing the songs, you're listening to the songs hundreds and hundreds of times and then a year goes by and all of a sudden it's finally ready to go. And it's like, Oh man, I feel like that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> so it's a little scary, you know, um, being able to finally put this thing out um, and, and have a different relationship now with it than I did when I was writing it. So, yeah. so having positive feedback uh, so far, uh for for the the songs that i wrote uh uh it's really um it's really motivating um that even through all yeah. the challenges being able to get it out in the world like it's worth it right yeah yeah and i think you know covid obviously didn't help like you said it, it put delays on stuff anyway but then like okay 2021 we're kind of out of covid but we're not really and now i've got this project that i want to release you know that amplifies that that nervousness because is it, it just going to get lost in COVID? You know, right? And and you know, so, so many artists, um, you know, real, I'm sure besides myself have really been suffering for it, especially the ones who you know the bigger artists who are all full time doing music. Right. right? What do you what do you do right now? Um, yeah. You know, there's lots of delays and shows, and I'm sure they're all, you know, really <laughs> biting their nails. They're like, man, I got to make ends meet, right? <laughs> yeah, and and you know, like so many of the the tours got put on hold, and 2020 was supposed to be this incredible year. Like, Newfound Glory had an anniversary tour. Finch was having one. Silverstein, like all these long term bands, are like, hey, we've made it 20 years or whatever it's been, and then partway through their tour it's all right full stop everybody go home like what the hell are we supposed to do like you said and none of those guys have 
normal day jobs anymore, you know? So now you're sitting at home going, can I live off what I've saved? Have I been good enough? What do we do next? And then, you know, hats off to um, any artist that, you know, took the chance at live streams and stuff like that. Like, um, you're kind of from the area, so you may have seen the the Dropkick Murphys got to play Fenway Park. Like, obviously, they're the only band that's ever going to get that opportunity. But, right. like, to be able to put on a show at Fenway Park and sell live show tickets for this experience was the only way they were going to stay afloat and stay relevant. Right. I mean, they're the hometown heroes. They, they are right. the Boston band, right? Right. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, part of part of pushing through, um, you know, making sure that I was able to put it out and even though it took a long time, um, I think for a lot of people, you know, isolation and kind of this this whole just general anxiety that comes with COVID and stuff, you know, it's a real weight on your shoulders. So so being able to refocus myself on getting this project out, starting another project. Um, you know, I, I needed to do that. So, so it, it, in a way it became even more important than it was originally intended to be. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, kind of each song takes on its own personality and, and things like that. It, it's really a 17 minute showcase of here's things I can do. It's not everything I can do, but it's a, a good portion of um, showcase for the, the best term I can think of for it, of this style I'm good at. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And it's it shows that diversity, whereas so many other bands are stuck in that cookie cutter rut that they built themselves up in. And now when they start experimenting, their fan base is like, what the hell are they doing? This isn't who I wanted to listen to, you know, like, but if you start off with that foundation that, hey, guys, at any time I can change this up, I think that builds a, a more accepting fan base. Yes, for sure. I, I think I think part of a challenge, too, is when does a band hit? So if their first record is the, the one that everyone re- references when they're thinking of the band, then they're kind of stuck in that mold because forever right. after people are chasing the dragon, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what they, what the band wants to do. It's never going to be that same thing where I think a lot of other artists. So, so for instance, uh, one of my biggest influences, as far as the genre thing goes is a uh, Caven. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you know Caven out of Boston, but uh, yep. they started as kind of a hardcore metalcore band and then went into this like spacey kind of jam rock band. And then they figured out how to meld all of those things into one. Um, so by the time people were really starting to catch on to this band, they've already gone through several iterations of their style. Right. Um, and, and so I'm taking that almost as a blueprint of, you know, what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Silverstein's one of my favorite bands of all time, but if you listen to red light pledge versus the new album, like they're not even close to the same band. One, one of the new songs has a fucking saxophone in it. Like if you would have told me 20 years ago that they were going to have a saxophone in their band, there's no way. Or I'm going to picture them switching in into ska and being less than Jake, you know, like <laughs> that evolution, it, it has to, to be natural to some extent. 
Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, just like anything, you know, the more you do, the more you learn. Right. So right. even as musicians, the more they play out and tour with other bands or listen to new music coming out, all of, all of those things are influential. Right. Right. Um, you know, even emotional states and stuff. I mean, you go through a traumatic event or a good event, you know, for that matter, um, you know, it can inform how the whole album comes across. And, and I, I think, I think that you're right. It's, it's absolutely the natural way for anyone to progress um, is to challenge, you know, try something yeah. new, do something unique. Yeah. And I reference them far too often on my show, but <laughs> bring me the horizon, I think is a perfect example of that, where if you listen to early, bring me the horizon versus uh, Avo versus this new uh whatever it's called, the post-survival, like they're nowhere near the same band. Every album is different for them. But like Ollie has straight up said, if we're not experimenting and growing as a band, then what, what are we doing? Right. You know, and I, I think that's kind of where your mindset's at to some degree. Obviously, probably not as broad as what they're doing, but if not I'm yet. not challenging myself and growing, <laughs> then why am I doing it? Yep. And, and I do think, um, you know, with they they found kind of a sweet spot where they can experiment, but still include some of the elements that people want. So like, you know, a really down to mm -hmm. thick riff, you know, that comes in right. uh, and, and just like real stomping um, parts and stuff. Um, and every so often he still belts his scream um, like he did on the early records. Yeah. And, and I think it, you kind of make everybody happy to an extent. So right. you've, you've found your new fans by trying new things and experimenting with different styles, but you've still managed to re retain your old guy, the, the old guard to an right. extent. And I, I think, I think they've done a great job of that for sure. Yeah. So uh, obviously with the new album or the new EP having just dropped, we don't want to talk too much about future projects, but like you said, you're kind of already working on the next step. Is the next step a conceptualization type album where, you know what I mean, like true storytelling, or are we still going to be experiencing that showcase to some degree of here's a little bit more of what I can do long term? So um, I would say yes to both so there's some um there's definitely i'm still trying to maintain um various uh styles right so i'm trying to vary up you know making sure that even on nighthawk and you've been careless i'm not re recreating what i've already done on those records so they're still rock records don't get me wrong right um but i do want to make sure that i'm pulling in new concepts new ideas so for instance i played around with a baritone guitar this time so i could really get some lows um yeah. i did more with an acoustic um and i even brought in some strings and stuff uh, and i'm just playing around with those ideas um i have kind of a general lyrical concept for what i hope will actually be a, a two-part album we'll see how that all rolls up. You know, it's easy to say now, right. <laughs> there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to get between then and, and between now and then, but uh, um, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. I've never, tr I've never done a concept album before, you know, beyond some very, very loose 
things I want to write about. Right. Um, so it's a new challenge. You know, I, I, I loved, I always loved uh, Peter Gabriel era Genesis and um, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins was like a big, huge in, in, in my upbringing. And so those had, a lot of those records had, uh, um, you know, lyrical concepts and stuff. So I kind of right. wanted to pull some of those thoughts and can I do this? You know, it's not going to be so um, rock opera, Pink Floyd the wall, but right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I really, I, I thought that would be kind of an interesting thing to try instead of just having a loose collection of songs. Um, so, so pulling, pulling things together like that, I think, I think is going to be, going to be interesting. So, so in t- on top of, you know, getting Nighthawk ready for release through COVID, I've been writing and recording this new thing so i don't have a time stamp on it who knows if i can get it out this year awesome but you know yeah we'll see awesome for people that because i i feel like a lot of people don't understand especially a solo project where you play most of the instruments like you said you'll bring in professionals when need be or you know hash it out on the computer a little bit as needed but to be truly DIY and everything fall on you. Talk a little bit about that experience and, and the difficulty in learning all of that. You know what I mean? So in, st- in doing a solo project, there's definitely some concessions you have to make. For instance, um, it's near impossible to bounce ideas off somebody who's not involved, right? So. Right one of the nice things that a band will bring you and a group of people playing music together um, is you have um, somebody who to tell you, Hey, that was really good. Let me, I have an idea. Let's play with that. Right. Or somebody to stop you from going too far with something that really just doesn't work. Um, so inherently there's some, there is, it takes, a, I think, a bit more effort to get through either roadblocks or writer's block or um, just not having, like you have an idea in your head, but you're not able to figure out how to translate what you're thinking to what you're playing and recording right. and stuff. Um, so doing things that way, um, you know, writing becomes an challenging um certainly playing live um i've ha- i have been able to perform live uh for a handful of shows but uh you know it's bringing in musicians to work with you so i was able to debut um my first album you've been careless when right around the time it was released which was really exciting for me um but that was just about it um uh so you kind of miss that whole experience. So, you know, when I get to finally start playing shows again, uh, when those things open up again, um, you know, the people that I bring in haven't really been there through the conceptualization. You haven't been in the room the first time you play a song the right way um, or, or any of that. So, so some of that camaraderie um, is missing. Um, not, not to say that you can't build it or, or, or work on it, but it's not naturally there. Yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, when you're on top of the writing stuff, a lot of this is done um, just in my home studio here. And mm-hmm. um, 
uh, you know, sometimes some days, um, you know, I might sit down for three hours and have nothing. And other times I sit down for 15 minutes and I've written a whole song pretty much. And, and, you know, coming goes in spurts like that. Um, so really exciting for me. Um, but harder to share that excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, again, something that's kind of lost on some younger musicians is whether it's Hollywood or whatever, that's, that's given that lead singer syndrome. Right. So like, the lead singer doesn't always know what's best in a band, whether they believe it or not. But the, a lot of times being the lyricist, you have a different connection to the song than the people that are playing it with you. Um, and especially in a case like yours, where you're the sole, sole writer. And now, like you said, when you go out to play shows, hopefully in the, the near future, now I've got these quote unquote touring musicians or gig musicians yeah, they can technically play my song, but can they emotionally play my song? Right. Yep. Yeah, that connection, that connection is, is, isn't as easy to just uh, develop. I mean, if you're really into a band, right, your favorite band puts out a, mu a new album, you'll, you'll emotionally connect, but it's in a different way than if you're in a room writing it, right? Right. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk goals for 2021 uh, obviously we don't know when covid will really be fully under control or when things will you know be allowed to happen a little more freely um hopefully with some of the vaccines and stuff that's getting there but um i guess in a perfect world let's say for 2021 what would be your vision of the remainder of the year i think for the remainder of the year, I'd like to, well, beyond, beyond what I've already spoken about, which is the, the new album um, that I'm working on, um, is, is really to find, in which, you know, we just talked about the challenges of finding musicians to play with, but I, I think I really want to try to focus on finding those people who are also of a similar drive. Um, you know, it's not enough to just be into music like you have to really want it right so yeah. if you want to go out and play shows on a regular basis especially into your 30s um you know it takes a different effort than it used to yeah um so they're out there um i think it's a little more difficult to find you know maybe if i lived in a big city uh it would be easier to find some of those things but um i think one is finding those like-minded musicians and two is finding the right shows to play. So I think when things do open up again, it's going to open up with a vengeance, right? Everybody's one going to want to one, get out and do right. something. So, right. you know, these local shows that have been, you know, at quarter capacity for 20 years, right. Um, yeah. Are all of a sudden going to be packed, right. Cause everybody's itching to get, you know, one to do something new and two just to have social connections right like yeah. i miss that i miss just yeah. going out and drinking shit beer at a, in a dirty club and and watching some band that like barely knows how to play and i love right. it right and i and i miss it and uh um so so i guess i want to what i'm really saying is i want to be on that bandwagon right i want to be yeah. here when i want to be ready to go when the rest of the world is ready to go, right? 
So, you know, being able to focus right now on things like, you know, that maybe aren't as sexy, like marketing, right? Um, Being able to do all of those things, release this album, you know, get people listening and stuff so that when I am ready to do there and I get, I can get out there, you know, it does make an impact um, that I haven't seen before, right? That I haven't been able to achieve before. So, so in a way it's, um, COVID has been kind of a, a, the, the silver lining, I suppose, is that it forced me to refocus my approach. Right. So rather than just trying to play every show that I could at every dive bar that I can and, you know, jump onto whoever's like touring through the area and just pop on whatever show I could, um, you know, I can, I can actually maybe plan a little better and, and think about what I want to do, you know, what, how I want to yeah. approach it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And I've, I've said my hope for 2021 is, you know, 2020, I think obviously turned especially the music industry on its side and it leveled the playing field on one hand because nobody could tour. You had to be smart about how you were releasing music, things like that. But at the same time, I think it's hopefully made fans hungrier for new music. So my hope through the shows starting to open up, and I think this is kind of where you're at, is you're going to see fans coming out early. They're actually going to be there for the headliner or the opener instead of just the headliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully with more open minds that, you know, they've missed live music so much over the last year, year and a half, that now they come out, they see this, this opener that they probably have never heard of before and go, oh shit. I'm missing out. And then you start just building more and more. Right. No, I'm really hopeful for that. And, and I know at least myself personally, I spent a lot of time on the, in the, the rabbit hole of like <laughs> bands, um, you know, going through back catalogs and, and, yeah. you know, one, one of the advantages of Spotify, I know, I know they're kind of a, in, in, in the music industry, they're both hot and cold. Right. Um, right. Um, but you know, inevitably you can go way deep with, you know, bands and sounds like and radio and, and all of this stuff and, and just the voyage of discovery of these things or, or the worst part being discovering a band you're really into and finding out they haven't been around in 10 years. <laughs> right. Right. I was actually just talking to a buddy of mine. Um, I'm putting him on blast. I don't care. I think I talked about him in my interview yesterday too, but um, he sent me a screenshot the other night of popular monster by falling in reverse and he's like hey man have you heard of this and i'm like yeah back in like 2008 when it came out like you've kind of missed this boat man like (laughs) he's got four albums since then and all that but it's the beauty like you said of going down that rabbit hole and going oh shit i really dig this what's there and then you open it up and hopefully you're opening it up to boxes of un unheard albums from that artist you know now you get to experience everything first time again like i couldn't tell you what i would do to go back and listen to some of my favorite bands for the first time again yeah that moment when like a song really connects like i I don't know if you're the same way um but uh certain songs for me um and i think this is what makes me love a band will will give me like a tingle down my spine like if Mm -hmm. it's if it's like certain 
like I anticipate a section of a song so much that it like gives me shivers. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, I've always said like music is the, the place where you don't have to be alone anymore. Right. So like no matter what trauma you've been through, whatever, when you find a song that just hits you and, and relates to your life or a moment, it changes everything. Like, you know, I talk a lot about mental health and, you know, when you can hear an artist talk about their struggles and realize, you know what, Chester Bennington's a perfect example, Linkin Park, listen to his music. He obviously struggled with his depression and he was one of the best known vocalists of all time, really. And so like, I think it brings people around to that point where they feel safe and not alone. And that connection just amplifies because now how much more supportive of a band are you gonna be when you can connect with a song or an album and go, that's exactly what I felt. So, you know, then you build a fan that's gonna come out to every school show, regardless of where it's at or whatever. Um, and I think that's obviously the ultimate goal for any artist, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and that connection too, I, I think, uh, at least thinking of, you know, how I've been writing lyrics and stuff. Um, a lot of times I try to, even though it's a solo band, you know, and I'm writing songs based on my experiences, I try to take myself out of them to an extent and not be so mm -hmm. hyper specific about things that I've been through that, you know, you couldn't connect with somebody like that. Um, right. Because, you know, because really, you know, we're, uh, I, I, on the, you know, spoilers on the stuff I'm writing now, but plenty of it deals with COVID, right? And and just kind mm -hmm. of the the general feelings around that, and you know, that's I'm not unique to that for sure. I mean, right? How many billions of people just went through the same thing as me? Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Um, but but finding that connection in in is so important right it's yeah. it's when you walk into um a concert to see your favorite band you know and you're standing in the pit or you're back by the bar or whatever wherever you're standing to watch this band everybody else in the room has a common reason to be there so if you really wanted to you could strike up a conversation with anyone in that place yeah um, and, and, and that's, it's so powerful to have that connection and know that you're all there watching the band. The band is there watching you as they play, right? They're, right. they're trying to find that connection of, you know, Hey, this beat that we play gets people moving. So that gets us moving, <clears throat> right. moving. And, and yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, that's really what, I mean, that's all art, right? It's not just music. It's, it's art in general. It's like finding those finding those shared experiences and you know Chester's uh you know he had a tough tough run but um you know you're right that so many of so much of what he wrote about in his own music um was a universal thing you know right you know it, he's not alone in that uh even if he felt alone yeah yeah and I think you know kind of like what you just said the the beauty especially in music but in any art really is finding those connections so you know when you show up to a show 
obviously you're going to have the introverts and the people that have social anxiety and all that. That's all, all just and valid. But like, there's no reason if you're there to see bring me the horizon or whoever, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to bump elbows with the guy next to you and be like, Hey man, what's your favorite song? You know? And like make those connections. And like, even thinking about my friend circles, like I've got friends that are specifically music friends and that's our primary method of communication is sending each other songs and stuff like that, that we want to check out. Um, I used to be a really big gamer. I had people that I played Xbox with that we, that's all we did that we talked about different things. So the importance of making those connections is, is huge as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely agree with you. And, and so because that's been such a, such a thing that's been lacking, I have a feeling that there's like just this whole well of, um, I don't want to say love, but like, like this whole well of like, just, just social connection. That's just been, you know, kind of waiting to get out. Right. Um, you know, we're slowly getting there, which is great. You know, I'm really excited about that. You know, I did my vaccine and everything. And so, you know, we're getting there. Uh, but I don't think we're there yet. And, and, but it's nice to have a light at the end of the tunnel. I think a lot of people are starting to feel a little better now. Yeah. And, you know, like for me being in the music industry in my, you know, general area, um, it's, it's also promising to see like Australia, they've already started having music festivals and stuff again, because they've been able to get it under control. And it's, it gives me that little bit of extra hope and drive, like, okay, it's starting to happen around the world. It's, it's going to get here. We just have to keep pushing forward. Right. Right. And I'm so, I'm so excited for it. So I, I applaud anybody that's gone out and done their part, you know, as much as it might've sucked for a year, we've done it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For sure. Awesome. So um, let's say, you know, going back to the perfect world, um, like you said, hopefully getting out and doing some shows, Let's say in a perfect world, what would be the the U plus three artist lineup that you would want to go out with? That I would want to go out and play with? Um, yeah. I already mentioned Caven, and I would absolutely love to play with those guys. Um, they're they're kind of active in their own community too, and they just seem like really friendly and just just kind of fun guys and and. Yeah. You know, I don't want to necessarily go out and gush because <laughs> right. I could do that. <laughs> I could stand yeah. there and be like, oh, my God, this song, what are, you know. Um, but I, I just feel like they'd be uh, inspiring even without that, you know, just being able to play those shows and listen to those songs in a different way because, you know, I'm on and I'm now on stage experiencing that, you know, sitting on the right. off to the side watching them play. Um, so I put them up there. Um I think I took a lot of guitar work um, inspiration from probably Queens of the Stone Age or just uh, Josh Homme in general. I shouldn't just say Queens of the Stone Age because he's he's on a lot of stuff like he did uh, a song for that kind of um, electronica band uh, Uncle, which was really good. And um, Caius before that kind of in the starting you know, a big trend in stoner metal. Um, and, and so I kind of take, I like his, um, 
kind of the way he his, his like attitude towards the whole thing like he's kind of dripping with sarcasm in every song that he writes and and uh you know the guitar work and just his overall tone kind of complements that and so i really i really like that and i understand he as a musician uh has also mentored quite a lot of young artists so he he's he's been doing that for as long as he's been kind of at that level right he's been taking other artists along with him for the ride so for instance arctic monkeys and royal blood are are two bands that he latched on to or and and kind of brought along um with him um Mm -hmm. and kind of kind of imparted some of his knowledge on songwriting and that kind of thing so um and then I guess uh, I think I think if I if I really wanted to if, pick, if I had my choice of anybody, um, I would probably pick Bowie as the as the the third one um, who would obviously yeah. headline, and <laughs> right <laughs> just because he is the epitome of evolution, right? Um, you know, he his his yeah. whole persona was keeping you guessing, right? throughout his entirety of his career. And I mean, his, his breadth of work is so huge that I, you know, there's, there's quite a few albums I've never even heard that I just, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get through it all. He's done so much. Right. Um, yeah. And it's funny because like, it didn't really connect with me until his last album, Black Star and his death, when I was just like, damn, I missed the boat. Um, so yeah you know, what a legacy to leave behind. So there's lots for me to dig through, but, uh, you know, I feel like he's another guy that I could really learn so much from just in, you know, songwriting and taking chances and trying new things. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, sounds like a killer set list. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) a killer uh, bill, if you will, for the show. Um, that's everything I've got for you, man. Let's. I'm obviously going to link all your socials and everything, but go ahead and throw out kind of your socials, where people can connect with you and kind of what they can expect. Uh, probably the best place to connect with uh, DC Wolves is at dcwolves.com because we've got our links out to all of our socials there. So Instagram, uh, Facebook, of course, Spotify, uh, got our collection of videos, all links to all the music and even my Twitch channel. So I use Twitch on occasion to uh, both demo music that I'm working on and also to play games. But uh, it's really there for me to kind of find different connections with an audience who, you know, maybe there's people that want to see how I write in real time and they can do that on my Twitch channel. So that's just uh, DC underscore wolves. Awesome. I, again, I appreciate your time, man. Um, really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to this next album and hopefully catching you out on the road at some point. Thank you so much, Josh. It was a pleasure to be here. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All righty. I will talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Have, yep. Have a good one. Have a good one. And that was my conversation with Dan Cahill, also known as DC Wolves. Again, I really appreciate him taking the time to have the conversation with me. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys will go check out the new EP, Nighthawk. Again, it's just a four-song showcase kind of 
giving you a feel for different musical stylings and lyrical styles that Dan can pull off. Um, again, it's kind of the next step in the progression of his sound and direction that he's moving. Um, but also, while you're checking out his music, make sure you go back and check out the debut full length as well. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for you to really get a feel for the versatility and the depth that Dan has in his songwriting and song construction. I really, really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day every day, whether you're listening to the podcast in the background at work, on your drive to work, while you're cleaning the house, whatever it is. Um, Make sure you like, share, follow, all that fun stuff. DC Wolves on any streaming platform. Uh, He's also got a Twitch like we talked about there at the end. And I really think he's got some cool ideas for Twitch especially um, with the potential to do live streams of him doing some song building and, you know, recordings and things like that. And again, I've said it at least, I don't know, 45 times, uh, that those little things that cost you absolutely nothing, which is following an artist or liking them on a streaming platform, sharing it with friends, uh, sharing their posts, things like that, even liking and commenting on their posts is huge, especially for independent artists that are doing a lot of this stuff on their own, out of their own pocket, things like that. Um, Even though you're not necessarily giving them money directly or anything, all of those things contribute to them getting boosted in algorithms, getting a little more spotlight. Um, Obviously, on the streaming side of things, the more streams, the more money. Streaming revenue is not where it should be, but that is, you know, a problem that we as a community need to tackle at some point. Um, But yeah, let me know in the comments on our Instagram post if you've checked out DC Wolves, and if so, what song you liked, um, kind of what you're looking forward to or whatever. Um, I'd be really interested to hear about it. And I'm sure Dan would as well. And for now, I think that's everything that I've got for you guys. So we are going to take you out with a song off of the new Nighthawk EP. And that song is going to be No Alarm by DC Wolves. Remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. So many But here you are.